Thank you to our podcast sponsor, Samson Rope. Your rigging ropes aren't just tools of the trade. They do the grunt work. They have to endure dynamic loads, abrasion, and moving through hardware while keeping you safe, which is why Samson rigging ropes are specifically designed and engineered to meet the rigors of your job, the result of a legacy of over 140 years of innovation. Stable braid rigging line is the industry standard for arborists. A durable polyester double braid rope with a high strength to weight ratio, torque-free construction with UV protection. Put Stable Braid to work for you. Stable Braid from Samson, the strongest name in rope. Visit samsonrope.com for more information. I'm Stephanie Drago. I am the manager of member experience at TCIA. Um, I used to work with Tom in membership and I just, I'm incredibly passionate about helping our members get from point A all the way up to Z. So when, when we find members with stories like yours and we watch these companies go through the generations of the family, we, we get really excited. Um, and if there's anything we can do to support that, that's, you know, that's what I'm always looking for. How can we, how can we help you guys get a little bit more successful? And then that conversation in the podcast where we can, you know, have many ears hear that, uh, that, that excites me. I'll go next. My name is Tom Dunn and I'm the director of business solutions at TCIA. And yes, I used to work with Stephanie and her enthusiasm is definitely contagious mm -hmm. um, for helping members. And so and my, my role as uh, director of business solutions is fairly new to TCIA. And um, I'm very interested in the stories uh, that members have about the growth of their business and how we can help them. Okay, I'm Mariah Sanborn. Um, I am second generation, uh, 0.5, not quite there yet, but um, preparing to transition over to owning uh, the company my father started in 1975, Sanborn Tree Service. So I'm currently operations manager, um, but I started on the ground, we like to say in the office. So learning, still have so much to learn, but having grown up in the industry, um, I've just enjoyed the opportunity now to see the business side of it as much as it's been a challenge too. So we're here for you, Mariah. <laughs> okay. Uh, Stephanie, do you want to start off with the questions? Uh, yeah. So we'll just get rolling through. Mariah, how did you get your start in the industry? You mentioned that you grew up and you, you started on the ground. What did that look like? Um, I like to say I was tricked into it. Uh, so my dad started the company in 75 before I was born. So I, I grew up watching, you know, riding around in the truck, doing estimates with him and seeing what was on his mind when he came home and things like that. But then uh, around high school, I would say his office manager, there was only one person in the office and she needed to take a vacation. So I stepped in just training to answer phones or take notes or whatever during that time. And then the next vacation and then the next vacation, um, she got engaged and then it was the honeymoon. And then we found out about the babies. And so second, um, by the time she was ready to stay home with her kids, I had already been, I had stayed on part-time at the company through that, but I just had not anticipated that it was going to turn into full-time. So along through that period of time, though, I became pretty interested in, in the company itself and grabbed a bit of a passion for employees and employee development, things like that, and did not know really that that's why my dad 
continued this company. He's definitely an entrepreneur and has had several businesses and different opportunities, but found out that he and I had the same heart for it. Um, so I had also signed up to get a master's degree at the same time because I had not anticipated becoming the full-time office manager at that point. But I went ahead and did both and had some help. And then we acquired another business and it just kind of has grown from there. And now we've got more people in the office and I'm looking at getting an office manager so I can step more into just the operations side of it. Can I ask, go ahead, Joe. I was say, can I ask a question going off of, you've been involved with your business for so long now. And how do you find, you know, we like to talk about working on your business versus working in your business and how there are two totally separate things. You've been working in the business for, you know, since high school, you said, how is that transition from working into working on going? How, how are you managing the change of mindset that goes along with something like that? It's a challenge because you never can truly separate the two. When you start working on the business, there's more within it to implement. And unless I could just hire people to throw it, whatever we decide to implement, there's definitely a, a lot that goes into running it and making those changes on the ground level. But um, I look at working in the business as just the day-to-day -day running of it, everything that's got to happen so that the customers get taken care of and the crew gets paid and you know everything that goes into all of that. And that is a lot. And um, it was very difficult for me to start to step out of that into how do we want this to look? And that's the working on the business is the vision and um, the planning and how do you want, where do you want to go? And I find I, I was sort of forced into doing that because I operate very differently from my father. And I'm not gonna say he doesn't have a vision. He just doesn't have a verbalized vision. He has a very different way of thinking about his company. And I recognize that as I started to move up into leadership and management of the company, I needed to know where we were headed in order to make just my day-to-day -day decisions. So I started to work with a consultant to figure out how to do that, where to take it. And um, it has been a very long process because my father and I are different in how we operate. Um, but the, the end result thus far has been we are getting to be quite a bit more on the same page. And it's been a challenge, the working on it part, because I can only implement so much at a time. And then I have to go into how do we how do we get back into the business to make it happen. So they never really come apart. There's never really a, you know, if, if you're only working on the business, the people at the ground level who have to implement what you're working on or what you want to see happen um, are going to feel a disconnect. So it's kind of jumping in and out is how I think of it. Um, but I couldn't really speak to it on a business side of things as far as like the professional world that's got all the books on it and stuff. I really haven't read them. I'm just working with a consultant going, how do I do this? <laughs> what are we doing? Where do we want to go? So um, I, I came to it out of the necessity of, I need to know how to make even decisions. Where are we headed? And um, so that's, that's how it happened for me. So Mariah, as part of that process, are you looking at developing a succession plan? Yes. Um, again, with my dad operating differently, he 
he doesn't like businessy terms. He doesn't like anything that sounds corporate. Um, so what he likes to call it is a plan for smooth transition. So <laughs> I'm happy with that. I like that idea. So that's, we are working on that. Again, a lot of it's coming down to a vision um, that I started working on and then brought him into and he got pretty excited about. So we've been working on that together. And what it's doing is saying so far down the road, this is what we want the company to look like. And my dad probably won't be involved in that far down the road. And that's okay. But in order to get there, if I'm eventually going to be at the head of or the helm, um, what will that structure need to look like? And so at this point, we're starting to figure out what needs to shift and what needs to grow. So as far as a succession plan in a very traditional sense, we I wouldn't say we've totally gotten there yet, but it is definitely a part of the a part of what we're working on now with the consultant. You think you're going to need, uh, in addition to the consultant, outside help with that process? At this, not sure point, yet. <laughs> at this point, um, I have not. We haven't tapped into anything. I know the TCIA has some stuff, and we'll probably get to the point of going that route. But I have pretty much focused just with the consultant and talking to a couple other people, you know, who have, who have gone through similar things and maybe not within the industry. And I think that's something that's been really helpful too, is looking at how other companies of similar size or similar vision or similar values uh, have done things that may not be in the same industry, but have done similar to what we're looking for and want to, now, I just want to kind of learn from them also. Not a whole lot to do in exact succession like that. That's plan the way. yet. I am interested in how, uh, Mariah, you went from being an office manager to an operations manager, which is quite different. Yeah, um, I'm still the office manager as well, though. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. It's all the hats, but that's one of the things that we're really trying to, That's that's probably the next, one of the next hires we'll be doing this year is, in order to continue to focus on the business and continue to move things forward, I got to have somebody else over Out in the, of the office. Weeds. So big change. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think taking a bigger step back and looking more towards, um, you know, this is a, a family owned company that your father started and you've grown up with. How do you navigate that kind of stuff? Because I'm assuming you and your father don't have the exact same outlook on you know what you want it to be and that's just natural so yeah. how do you go about navigating that when you talk about visions and what you're looking for and how you guys you have the written down one and his is in his head and mm -hmm. you, how do you go about trying to merge them together because it seems like a very difficult process when both of you guys have had so much investment into the company for such yeah. a long time yeah it is um that's a really good question. And I knew something like that would probably come up. Um, Funny, I was going to ask the so, same question. So, thank you. <laughs> down now. so, so I, I need something concrete and written down, but I also have goals. And I think about the same time that I came in, my dad, it took me a few years to decide that, yes, I want to carry this company on um, and keep it in the family. And the challenge 
really at that point was we're in California. There's so many regulations and everything that my dad saw coming, he was just not even excited about keeping the company going and from that perspective. So when I stepped in, it was almost like, okay, I'll do those things that are overwhelming to you so that you can keep the company, you know, going and um, not sell it. So that was, that became exciting to him, but I think that in itself became his vision that I wanted to stay working there. Um, He started to ask me early on if I would want to take the company over eventually. And I wasn't ready to answer that question because uh, I just know how, A, how regulated this this industry is, especially in, in this state, and B, how dangerous it is. And that's a lot to take on as an owner. I mean, I, I think that people who are not in this industry don't realize what, what we carry every day. And so um, I decided it took several years for me to decide, yes, I'm going to go ahead and carry on. And when I decided that, like I said, that still, that was my dad's vision. And so it kind of became for him, whatever you want to do. Um, I want to see you succeed and I want to see you enjoy what you're doing. And my desire for my dad right now, as he's had this company for so long, is I want him to only have to do the things that he really enjoys doing and find ways to take those other things and give them to somebody else, you know. But um, as far as merging our visions, it took me a very long time to realize that my dad was basically asking me what my vision was. He wasn't really trying to, and I was asking him what his was, and he didn't really have one because he wanted to know what I was. (laughs) So we went back and forth quite a bit. Um, So I've learned, I've learned that. And then it took me, it took a lot for me to um, open up about what I truly did want to see here. And, but once I did that and he got excited, then we pretty much got onto the same page. There's still a lot of questions about how does it get implemented, but as far as what we want to see, um, it's just, it's been a lot of back and forth as far as being, you know, working with the family. uh, If my dad wasn't my boss, I would not get away with the snark that I bring to the office every once in a while. Um, I wouldn't get away with the way that I stand up to him sometimes, but um, I I think it also helps for me personally that I don't, you know, I don't live with my dad. I don't live at home. And so we, there is that separation. And when we do get together outside of work, it can be family time. We're not necessarily taking work home with us. Um, The shop talk that was really common when I first started working here became overwhelming to me because I'd I'd get home or I'd go out to dinner with dad and, and it's shop talk and I just couldn't disengage at all. And so we've learned those boundaries also. That's really been helpful. I don't know if I'm wandering a little bit, but <laughs> as far as navigating the Implement some boundaries. Um, yeah. I think that's a great, great suggestion. Yeah. Um, Are there other uh, family members involved in the business? Right now, um, my father and I, and then uh, we have, I have a, I guess he would be a second cousin. My dad's great nephew is working here. Um, it's been amazing and really cool to work with him, but he does have plans for working in another industry. So we don't know how long we get him, but we're still trying to convince him he really wants to stay here. So <laughs> something about that tree life. Yeah. What are some of the other difficulties that you've had in this transition process. You said you guys kind of butt heads a little bit on visions. Mm -hmm. Um, What are the other difficulties that you face? I would say 
Um, I had to grow up a lot. <laughs> I had to learn that it was okay to not fully agree with my dad and learn how to respect him and, you know, walk in in an agreement with him, even when I voiced my opinion first, you know, um, I had to learn how to do that. And I would say that on a personal level, uh, you can't really work on your business without working on yourself. And so that's been a big part of my journey. And, um, when I've come up against things that I just feels like I'm plateauing with the company or personally, um, I, I have to step back and work on myself a little bit too. So um, that's been a challenge for me. And being a woman in the industry is interesting. Uh, I've never felt disrespected here uh, at, at the company. My, my dad comes from a family of entrepreneurs and women run companies. I should say my great grandfather started a business that my aunt then ran. And so there was never anything from my father about, you know, and, and therefore never anything from his employees about it being strange that I was in this position. But I also came up in a rather traditional way, being in the office. Um, there are times when we have a new hire who kind of just assumes I'm the secretary until I have to go out and start the cruise. And then, oh, maybe she's doing something else, you know? And um, so there's that kind of challenge, but it, to be honest, I really haven't encountered a lot of it, um, but I'm also not out in the trees, uh, not out on the job site very much, but I've also been very encouraged to see how much has changed. And just since I've been in the industry in the last 10 years, really, as far as women being welcome and um, their abilities not questioned as much. And I really like seeing that. Um, I think there are times that I have encountered a little bit of like pushback just because I'm a female in the industry. So that's another challenge. I don't know if I answered your questions. <laughs> Do I need to start over on that one? No, no, you're no. doing great. You're doing great. Mm -hmm. And you're absolutely right. It's, it's, the conversation has changed. I would say, I mean, Tom, I've only worked with TCI almost what, four years. And I, even in the last four years, it's, it's changed yeah. quite a bit as far as, yeah. you know, women's presence. And, and, you know, that's part of the reason why we're doing what we're doing is to expand that conversation. Yeah, um, you know, we, we've got to get the conversation on the table. So it definitely, yeah, you answered it. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> Mariah, Mariah, do you have, um, you know, when the transition does happen that you're in charge totally, do you have concerns about getting buy-in from, from your employees, from the staff? I do, actually. It's funny. I just wrote something about this on the, uh, on the Women in Business, uh, Women in Tree Care Forum on Facebook. Um, I, I have a little bit of concern. Let's put it this way. I should explain a little bit. Our company actually has five owners right now. Yeah. So my dad being a primary uh, he owns the most of the company. I own some. And then we have um, three other foremen who have been owners for quite a while. So and my dad set that up as actually a way to save the company during a very difficult time. So it's been it's been different uh, the way that we run things. But I need their buy in first and I need their um, their yeah, the, I consider them to be my team. They are foremen, but they're also shareholders. And those are the ones that I will first be presenting this vision to and getting their feedback and helping them to understand that, yeah, 
Mr. Sanborn is not going to be here forever. You know, um, that in itself, the first time we introduced that idea several years ago was a shock. Like that was all that they could handle hearing. But now that I've been working with them and really trying to just build that level of trust, I do have to have their buy-in. I believe that I will, but I don't know what it's going to be like with the rest of the employees. I don't know what it's going to be like the first time that, you know, I'm doing the interview for a new employee who all of a sudden will realize that I'm I'm basically my boss is a lady, you know, I mean, I mean, my supervisor might be a guy, but my boss is a lady. (laughs) I don't know what that's going to be like um, for them. But for me, I'm just very thankful that this transition has definitely been a very stepped thing because I wouldn't have had the confidence even a few years ago to feel like I could even do that kind of an interview or something like that. So uh, I do have a little bit of concern about buy-in, but at the same time, if they're not comfortable with it, maybe they're going to be more comfortable somewhere else and I'll bring people in who want it. Or maybe I have an opportunity to show them that um, I think working for a woman could be a good thing. I don't know. Yeah, and as you said, you've been in different roles with that with the company, and yeah, you know they've probably seen that you can do the job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, anybody who's seen me climb on a practice day knows that I will never be a production climber. But you know, <laughs> I can relate to that. <laughs> yeah, but uh, as far as can I do some training in my SCTSP, you know, all of those kinds of things. Yes. And I'm constantly trying to learn definitely. And that's all I'm going to ask of them too, that you are constantly working to get better at what you do and do it with excellence and do it as safely as possible. So that's what I'll emphasize. And that's the same thing that my dad emphasized. So I think playing to your strengths is going to be, you know, I think it's important, first of all, what what kind of resources have you used to both hone the places that you're strong in, as well as learn stuff, you know, that you may not be as strong. And like you said, uh, climbing days and stuff like that, you know, you found out you're not going to be a production climber. What kind of stuff have you been doing to fully flesh out that the entire business? Um, So that's a really good question. So first off, as far as people go, my passion even in the office here is not to be the best at everything because I am not, but to bring the people around me who excel in every area. Um, my goal is to be a good team leader, but my team members are probably going to be better than most of than I am at a lot of what they do. Um, I did get a master's in organizational leadership because it's it's about people development. And that's my, that's probably most of my passion. So I want to find the people, uh, look at the people I have and see what are their strengths and how can I build that and what are their weaknesses and how can we strengthen those areas. So for me right now, I know that my weakness is I have been so focused in the office that I don't get to see as much of the production side. I don't get to see what's going on in the field very often. And I can't get out of the office to do that. So again, that's why I'm looking at, okay, it's time for an office manager so I can get out there. So my goal for the next couple of years is to be able to spend a few days out in the field um, a week to learn from the estimators, learn from the foreman, you know, observe 
And so that, cause that is the side of the company that I know the least about, even though I grew up around it and I can throw terms around and you know, all of that, but what's, what's it like today right now for these guys out there? I want to know that. So my best resource is to say, uh, my, excuse me, I'll start that over. (laughs) (laughs) I want to have as much opportunity to observe and learn what I can from them, be involved in the training days, you know, um, ways that it's safe for me to do so. But um, I am trying to transition out of the office so that I can learn more about the field, not because I'm going to be able to do it, but because I need to know it. And that's been my strategy, even with the office staff, we try to take them out to observe jobs where it's safe so that they have a better idea of what that's like and what it looks like for them, uh, for the guys out in the field. So when they're talking to a customer or when they're talking to the crew, they have a better idea of what questions to ask. If I need to send this crew to go help that crew, well, is there parking? Do you have enough room for another truck and chipper? Do we need to just drop somebody off or, you know, little things that you learn because you've been there. So those are the types of things that I'm trying to to learn more about. Um, Other resources would definitely be books, you know, um, learning (laughs) on on leadership, um, books on succession planning. I it's been so long since I've read anything um, specifically for succession planning that I don't even remember them right now. But one of the books that I want to reread is uh, Leading Change. I forget the author's name, but, and I think it's out of print, but I took a class on that in grad school. And I think that that is going to become very essential to this upcoming process with um, the transition. So I don't know, does that help? (laughs) Yeah, no. And I was going to make a comment that, you know, you said that you've only gained the confidence to recently to be able to you know say that you want to do this and you want to do it it sounds like you definitely had this for a lot longer because the the way you speak about everything that needs to be done absolutely blows my entire mind about (laughs) even thinking about various things that need to be done and the different pieces behind it so obviously your master's is being put to good use so what are some of these other like little things in I guess just running a business in general do you think it overlooked super often that you think that you're bringing a change to or would like to bring an awareness about sorry can you go over that again for me yeah so it's 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 a loaded question um I think a lot of us most of us won't actually ever have the experience of running an entire business like being responsible for the whole thing um what are some parts of that that are little things that really make a big difference in the big picture so you know employees can look to their owners to see am i looking for this are they doing this right is this kind of what i'm looking for because um i've never owned my own business and i don't plan on running one anytime in the near future unless it's like yeah we'll just stop it there but (laughs) sure let's see I think that one thing that I have learned I am personally incredibly detail oriented which is great when you start examining processes and pulling things apart but it's not so great when you're trying to look at the whole of a company and so again that's why I needed a vision so then I could get smaller and pull things apart. 
another thing that I, I'm working really hard to avoid um, our, our company, we run about five or six crews every day now. So we have definitely grown from when I started, we have two crews, I think, but, uh, oh, sorry. I'm going to turn off the radio. Sorry. It's all good. <laughs> sorry about that. No, it's okay. It's fine. Turn it off. The crews are coming in. So they're radioing in. Um, so being detail oriented is good, but it's hard. Um, and I had to learn big picture. And then I had to learn how to show each department, I guess department, we don't like to call them that, but I had to show the office what it's like for the crew. I had to show the crew what it's like for the office. Um, I do, I used to teach on something, <laughs> it's just a really simple teaching, but I called it the life, life cycle of a proposal. And I would basically start with, or the life cycle of an estimate, I guess, I would start with the phone call and explain what that, you know, that the office is the first impression for the cu customer. And then the estimator goes out there and they write up a proposal. And that proposal, we still have paper, that proposal then has several parts and one part goes to the office and they have to schedule it. If they don't have all the information that they need on that piece of paper, they're not gonna be able to schedule it properly. Then it's gotta go back to the estimator and then it's gotta go back to it. So then it goes all the way around to the crew when they're out there doing the work. And if they don't have everything on there that they need, and if the crew doesn't give the office everything at the end of the day, then we don't know how we're invoicing. I just went through the whole life cycle and that showed everybody, the office, the estimators, the crew, how important it is to do your job you know, and why your job matters and why all those little parts play into it. So when I see an area where there's something that's not being done properly or something seems to be falling through the cracks, then that's what I look at and say, what is the process here and are we doing it? And what do we need to change? The other thing that I'm learning is when I give somebody or somebody has a, I'll just take, use myself as an example. When I'm working on a project and I feel like I'm stuck, I can't move forward or I don't want to do it. I just have to look at what, what is that stuck thing. And it's usually that I'm trying to take too big of a chunk at one time. And I don't realize it can be broken up into parts. I have learned that it is the same for when I give somebody else a project or an assignment. Um, how can, why, why are they not getting back to me on it? Or why are they don't, why do they not seem to be able to move forward with it? And then I'll sit down with them and we'll figure out what is that sticking point. So same thing with processes and how the business works. So I don't know how well that answers your question, but those are the sorts of things that I, I'm trying to to do. I may not understand. I don't know how to fix an engine, but I can help them walk through diagnosing or figuring out what's going on or why can't we find, you know, who do we need to reach out to? It's just sort of a walking through with people and recognizing, not letting things that aren't getting done be ignored. You know, oh. I just have to keep bringing things up to the surface and, and holding it and saying, why isn't this working? Because I could easily ignore it because I don't know enough about it, but I just keep asking questions and digging and stuff like that. I, I appreciate the perspective. And before we go into any more questions, I promised Amy we'd run an ad. So we're going to take a quick break. Hey, my name is Amy Tatro from TCIA. And I'd like to take a moment to speak to you about our annual Women in Tree Care Forum at TCI Expo. 
Although it's early in the year right now, I'm recording this in February 2021, we are already excited to meet you in person in Indianapolis, November 4th through the 6th for the world's largest tree care industry trade show and conference. As we get ready, TCIA is beginning to plan our education, our networking, and more for the Women in Tree Care Forum. And for the first time, we're opening up the opportunity for multiple sponsorships of this event. So are you looking to support education at the forum, support attendee scholarships, or even provide some raffle prizes? Consider sponsoring the TCI Expo Women in Tree Care Forum. Interested? Want to learn more? Shoot me a note, atetro at tcia.org. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. Tom, I'm going to give you a second to go over what TCIA is planning for succession and um, all of that kind of stuff. Because I think after talking with Mariah, we have been taking notes on where we can improve and what needs to be done. But as well as, you know, Mariah, you have done it really well right now, even without us. So I think we need to take notes from you rather than you from us. Uh. Yeah, I mean, we're working on a couple of different things for <laughs> succession planning. I mean, one of them, it's been in existence for, for a long time, is the uh, business mentor program, which is basically a number of individuals who volunteer their time to, to reach out to people in the tree care industry who are looking for some help on different issues. And succession planning is one that comes up quite often, you know, a sale of a company or an exit strategy or succession planning. And my, my role, I kind of the the matchmaker, I'll match them up with somebody. Um, if somebody inquires about that and they can talk, you know, they can meet and have a relationship and, and talk about uh, what that individual went through with, with their succession plan, you know, so hopefully you're going to avoid some mistakes or maybe quicken up the process of you going through it. So you don't have to struggle with it. Um, so that's, that's one thing. Um, we are also uh, have started uh, COVID has kind of curtailed it a little bit, but we've started an on-site consulting service as well, uh, where somebody would come out, actually come out to a, a location, a company, and do you know basically like an assessment of the company, and depending on what they're looking for, it could be any business issue, but succession planning certainly will be one of them. They'll go through their experience with with selling a company, you know, in person. So I'm very excited about that. And it's been put on the back burner a little bit just because we're not traveling right now, but that's, that's a program that's coming soon and uh, very excited to get that going. I think I would love something like that. Yeah. Can, can I ask a question is for both you, Tom and Mariah, how far ahead do you have to start looking at succession planning? Like, because obviously there's a point we know where it's too late and things fall apart. And that's yeah, after I, the person who originally wants to be in it is out. But what is the realistic time frame of looking at where you're going afterwards? Because it seems very, very big picture at that point. Yeah, I think from my experience, a lot of companies haven't thought about it. You know, it hasn't been something they thought about, but it is something they should think about for down the road. Um, five years, seven years down the road, they, they should try to get start that process to, so they do have something in place so it's not rushed last minute when they have to when they have to make a move. Raya, if you have any thoughts on that too? I I think it it definitely depends on the company, the size and you know how how it's happening. Um, 
I couldn't really give you a number of years. I know that for me personally, it's as many years as I can have because um, when you've got a company that's been around as long as my dad's has, um, it's not a, what's the word? It takes a while to steer this ship. (laughs) We talk about changes that we want to make. And then I always have to add months to years onto my timeframe because I just recognize it takes time. So that it's the same thing for us with, with succession planning. My dad is, at first he didn't even wanna talk about any kind of an exit strategy. And I continually tell him, I don't want you to leave unless you want to leave. I am not trying to kick you out um, by any means. I am happy to have you here, but even entertaining the idea took him several years to warm up to. So, um, and it really wasn't me trying to get him used to that. It was just me trying to figure out what's going on. Uh, but sure. but uh, I would say definitely five years is awesome. But some people may not have that much time and may not need that much time. If the current business owner wants to have an exit strategy, they're going to be more involved in the process from day one and, and more uh willing to see it to to make it happen Um, there was a lot of reluctance for my dad and so we didn't really have a it's really not been until the past like two years that it's been a focus for him yeah and, and looking at a succession plan you're right it does it varies by the situation keeping it in the family is different than somebody that is going to sell it to another tree care company yeah so they get they have to think about steps to kind of maximize the, the value of their company before that happens. Definitely. So another question is choosing an appropriate mentor. Um, so again, for Tom, you and Mariah, Tom, you guys are kind of playing matchmakers on the TCIA level of what we think is an appropriate mentor. So I'd like to hear what we are using as criteria first. And then Mariah, what, cause you've obviously, you know, been involved and met people and have run with that and what what do you look for when you choose a mentor as well well okay i'll I'll go first with the what do we look for you know i've been involved with that for a few years now and you you kind of develop it it's i mean the tree care industry is a small industry overall and you start to know you know who who's who in the in the industry and you get a sense you get a feel and you kind of know what people's backgrounds are so I, i draw on that but I also ask, you know, ask for other people's opinions too on what they think would be a good match for somebody. Or if I can't think of somebody, you know, there's plenty of people in TCIA that I can tap into and say, what do you think? Who would be a good person for uh, this person to talk to? Um, what do I look for? I look for anybody who's willing to teach me something. Um, but you know, really, it is my dream to eventually be able to help people through this kind of process as well. Um, I don't feel like I'm there yet, but definitely um, I look for, for people who can be open, you know, open and honest about what they're going through. I'm not looking for all their trade secrets, but there are, you know, some people that I've talked to who are just really, really willing to share and not just share what they've gone through, but also kind of brainstorm with me for what I'm going through. 
my dad actually, we did end up acquiring another company that was his mentors. And so it was really amazing to have after we did that, um, the owner stayed with us for several years as an arborist and estimator to help with the transition process. And I got to see how much I, I got to learn from him. Um, with just his absolute willingness to help and see this transition happen really well. So that was a neat experience for me. But I also got to learn how much he had impacted my dad, being even in the same uh, county with practically being you know, business rivals, so to speak, but they always said they had a friendly rivalry. And my dad said, "There's I can't let anyone else buy that business. It's the best one in the county. So we did everything we could and we got them. Um, and I think that that was a really neat experience because I did get to see it set the, it set the tone for me for what it should look like within our industry um, as far as working together and not being, you know, nasty competition and that sort of thing. So I look for that. I look for what can, how can you, how can I benefit another company? How can I, who can I learn from? Um, and not feel threatened by it, to be honest. And TCIA is actually the first place within the industry that I saw that and found that uh, with the winter management conferences. So that was um, really cool for me. But what else would I look for? Well, if you, I mean, Mariah, you've, I mean, obviously your father is a mentor to you. Have <laughs> you had mentors outside of um, the company that you've tapped into? Yes. Well, there are several other company owners that both within the tree industry and other industries that uh, have gone through either similar things or are just willing to talk, willing to talk and brainstorm and not, um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that I've gone up to anyone and said, will you mentor me? I would love to do that. And I've, I'm very tempted by the, by the mentor business mentor program. I just know that working with a consultant, I've got everything I can on my plate right now, but um, that still every year I look at that and I'm like, I think I need to do that one of these days. So I don't, I can't say I have a mentor, but I have people that I will approach and say, do you have ideas about this? Can you help me with this? Or what did you do in this situation? And so I think of them as mentors. It's just not a traditional, you know. Yeah, I think you're right with um, a formal mentor relationship is different than just the relationships you develop by net, networking, you know, going to events yeah. and, and being on yeah. forums. And those people are mentors too. For sure. They might not know it, but they are. <laughs> Steph, it jacked a lot of your questions. Um, no, no. I was actually just, just looking at the one about, I, I kind of tie, tying back to what you had said, Mariah, earlier about taking the time to work on yourself. And it does trickle down the people who you surround yourself with on your staff, hopefully they're gonna be wanting to work on themselves too. Uh, what advice do you have to give to those looking to expand their skill set beyond working in the field? What, what does that look like as far as working on yourself? Uh, good question. Um, I, I have a counselor when I, you know, when I realized, especially in a family business, um, and that is one thing, if somebody has not taken time to work outside of the family business, I have heard all kinds of advice, like, you know, you should definitely go elsewhere and work before you come back and work for your family business and that sort of thing. And I don't think that's always practical or always wise, but if you don't go work outside, you're going to need to take some kind of approach to individuate yourself a bit 
otherwise at least I have had to otherwise um, I had to realize I'm not my dad and I'm not going to operate the way that he does. I'm not going to be able to run the business the same way that he does. I'm not the certified arborist, you know, all of those things. And even if I became one, I'm not Chip Sanborn. And so I can't be him. And so some of what I've had to do as far as working on myself is figure out who I am, <laughs> you know, and that sounds very basic, but um, for people who are, you know, just in general in the industry, when I'm working with my employees, we haven't gotten to do a whole lot of professional development and personal development, but I will occasionally give them a challenge that ha- doesn't really have to do with work and make things like that available to them, give them, you know, suggestions for, uh, reading or um, different uh, financial things, you know, stuff like that, that just, I do have a goal to see my employees benefit in every area of their life because they work here. So that's something that we're working to develop. But for me personally, um, it looks like counseling. It looks like friendships. It looks like finding um, other hobbies and things that I enjoy. Um, If I don't get outside and do gardening or something like that every weekend, um, I'm kind of a jerk during the week and my roommate can tell you that. Um, So it's, it's learning a little bit about yourself and not, you know, letting this just be your identity. And that's really hard for me to say because I put 110% into what I do. And so I don't do a lot of things. And I've had to learn to pull back personally from my own health. I think that's great advice. Yeah. Um, and I'm sorry, you had also asked about expanding skill set. Um, I would say if there's things that somebody wants to do uh, within the industry, but don't have time, you know, you, you have to start to look at thinking about your future. And that's not something we see very often. I think with a lot of, at least I haven't seen a lot of within our climbers and our, our crew, they're looking at here now, need the paycheck, like what I do, don't want to be inside, but you know, how, what's your body going to do and how are you going to hold out forever? And so how do you, what can you do personally now thinking about your future? And that's a lot of what I do with with my employees is challenge them to think about their future, think about their family, think about, you know, how are you going to continue to do something you love, even if you can't do exactly what you're doing now. So I just challenge them. I don't know exactly how to build that skill set though. Where it's always a learning progress, right? Progress, not perfection. Challenging somebody is definitely part of building their own skills and making them look within, but we're coming up on, our time and I just want to be cognizant of everybody's time and is there anything that we haven't asked or brought up that you would like to mention Mariah? Hmm, Question I don't know honestly. And that's an acceptable answer (laughs) because you've gone over quite a lot so okay thank you thank you for coming on thank you for doing this and thank you for being so open about your experience because I think this was a really big insight into what it's actually like. It's not all fun and games. It's a lot of work. It's not all cut and dry for sure. It shouldn't be surprising that it's a lot of work, but I think that from the outside looking in, it seems like, oh, you're just the owner, you know, or, you know, you're working to be the owner. What's actually going on when there's so much moving behind the scenes that they don't see. Right, yeah. Hey, Joe, can I throw in one more thing? I guess, Tom. All right. Um, Mariah, I forgot to mention one uh, program we have. It's the peer-to-peer program, which is a facilitated networking group of company owners. And I think you would be a great addition to it as the 
first woman in the group. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> Thank you. I have heard of the program. Um, I'd love to learn more. So Great. I can maybe get in touch with you about that. Yeah. Definitely. Thank you. I, I, I enjoyed your uh, conversation today. Well, yeah, thank you for sharing your journey. It, it's been it's been really great to listen to all the behind the scenes things that happen. That again, like Joe said, we just it, that's it. The business is going from one family member to another, and people don't see the nitty gritty behind. So thank you for sharing that with us. Well, thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity, and I'm really honored that uh, that you're doing this. And thank you for you know highlighting women in the industry too, because I think we have a lot to a lot to give that it looks different, but we've got a lot to contribute. It doesn't take away from anybody else. So thank you. Thank you to our podcast sponsor, Samson Rope. Your climbing ropes aren't just tools of the trade. Your life literally depends on them. Specifically designed to endure any environment you throw at them, Samson Climbing Lines not only meet the rigors of your job, but are engineered to keep you safe. The result of a legacy of over 140 years of innovation. Hyperclimb is a new 100% polyester 11.7 millimeter double braid climbing line, engineered for both moving and stationary rope systems that run well with your hardware and Pru6. Hyperclimb's low elongation is key for long ascents and dual purpose climbing. Hyperclimb from Samson the strongest name in rope. Visit SampsonRope.com for more information.